everybody. Shabri again, Quantum Agriculture, City Chera. This is the 2014 Advanced Course, and I'm sitting here with a very dear friend, Kim Green, and welcome, Kim. Thank you, Shabri. So tell us about your farming experience. Well, I farm in sunny Lenswood down in South Australia, and I grow uh, apples and cherries. Oh, wow. Mm. So you told me that this is a multi-generation. How many generations? Yeah, so I'm fifth generation. Really? Yeah, and our uh, ancestors were some of the first in the district. They came as timber cutters, as labourers. And here I am still growing trees and still labouring away. So that's kind of neat. Now we've got two more generations after me living in Lenswood. So that's seven generations in the same spot. So I think that's wow, pretty cool. That's amazing. It is, yeah. Yep. So we get tied to our district. We get tied to our soil and our, our farm. And mm. it's a pretty hard bond to break. Did you Were you born on the farm or within that? Yeah, just, just over the hill. Really? Went to school in Lenswood. Married a local girl that went to school in Lenswood. And so it's all, all things Lenswood. <laughs> we're going to have to all go all over the world and look at the map. Where is this Lenswood? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So South Australia is in the middle of middle at the bottom. And it's called the Australian Hills? Uh, Adelaide Hills. Adelaide Hills. Yeah. Okay. So we farm on steep country. Really? Yeah, so most people farm on flats. You know, that's a luxury that we don't have. So we farm on steep country, so it's a lot of four-wheel drive country, and we have to look after our land, otherwise it'll be down in the local reservoir. So we're really mindful of keeping the ground intact on the slopes. When did you go along the biodynamic and biological trail? Started the biological trail in 2000 and went to an Elaine Ingham workshop just on soils, and it was a one-dayer. And she came home with compost and compost tea, you know, the stuff that hippies get into. That's how I viewed it. And it was just like, wow, this is just normal stuff. This is normal soil health. Nothing about being a yippie. Yeah. And I did started biodynamics as part of that progression in 2006. Really? Hmm. How'd you find hmm. out about it? That's a good question. Ah. Oh, a friend of mine who was an organic apple grower, he he invited me along to a workshop. Well, who was a teacher? Uh, Hamish Mackay. Yeah. And the first one was Ian Cummins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget who the second one was. I don't think it was John Priestley. No. Uh, and that was all, wow, This it was way above my head. Yep. So we've sort of been learning and progressing and trying and progressing and and observing, and here we are. We're it's part of our culture now. You you're what I would call a complementary farmer. Yeah. Just like with complementary medicine, you use some allopathic medicine, you use some biodynamic medicine, you use some radionic medicine. So and and I do some conventional. Controls. That's what I meant by allopathic. Yeah. yeah. So Do as we as we get a bit of a handle on, well, I think it all started with IPM, integrated pest management, where you use you monitor the insect or the disease, and you look for predators. And a lot of it was what not to do. Don't put on this bad thing that upset the whole ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So as we've gone down this path, we're looking for maybe the cause beyond the cause so just trying to nip it in the bud so we no longer get yeah. the the disease or the insect so <clears throat> like this past season we put on one insecticide 
in an industry that might put on eight or ten. Yeah. Disease is still kicking my butt, but we've come up with a few strategies. Disease meaning some of the things we've talked about, fungus and... Yeah, fungus, rot, so black spot or apple scab for apples and canker. brown rot, brown bacterial rot. canker. Um, is bacterial and canker and pseudomonas the same thing? Basic, yeah. Okay. So all this stuff is that you don't need it, but we, <clears throat> we're still working on our soil to get it right. So we're still helping the tree a lot with a lot of foliars. So as we, we're trying, we use the radionic instrument to see what the plant's wanting to get it balanced today. And that usually lasts a week as we improve our soil. Really? Mm. So when you use it, you use the radionics as a diagnostic tool mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and as a treatment tool? Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. we do, that's my right hand man. Really? You know, you've got to look to some area for, someone for wisdom. And I remember the, the workshop I did with Elaine Ingham and Arden Anderson. Ah, yeah. And they, that was in 2001. And they enlightened us to, Elaine was really grounded in compost and compost tea. And uh, Arden was on the physics and chemistry. And I really didn't get it at school. But what he did is he pulled the rug from underneath us and saying that you cannot farm continually using chemicals. And then the both of them went home to the States. And who showed up then? No one. Hugh Lovell. No. That was a long time. And I'm lost. I'm lost. I know I can't go forward. I know I can't go back. So then you start like a detective story. There's a bit of a burning in your tummy Mm -hmm. and you start hunting people down. The first was John Pannon who taught me radionics. And then, unfortunately, he died. He passed away. So you're looking for another guy with another piece of the puzzle. It's like a detective story. Doug Murray... In Michigan, mm-hmm. he used to work with Arden. He helped me immensely. Mm. And he also passed away. Uh, well, there's an omen here that every time we get someone that helps you, that they pass oh, on. Oh, please, uh, cancel clear. Yeah, so look out. <laughs> if you see us asking info, uh, clear out because, you know. But anyway, so I ended up with Hugh, and he's been absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Uh, a whole different perspective and a calming patience with us, not only as we farm, but as we learn. And he has... Um, he has the patience of a saint that I can ask the most stupid questions or the impatient or naive question and he just he just spits out the answer not making a judgment and I think that's what we do in conventional farming I'll make a judgment on you mm-hmm. and yet who doesn't do that he just and his dear wife Sharpie helps immensely as well oh you're so kind oh I know <laughs> but it's it's a tag team you know some yeah. part you need to get a bit emotional and need to kick butt and other times you need that sobering influence and uh, the pair of... You mean I'm the kick butt person? You certainly are. <laughs> <laughs> certainly are. Yeah, no, and, 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 and sometimes we need to be jolted yeah. from our ho-hum yeah. thing to strive to the next level. <clears throat> and quite often the next level is you don't know where that is. I know I've had discussions with you and you say, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to spend more money on these biological amendments which are what, minerals more than mm. anything. Mm. And and I remember saying to you, well, eventually <coughs> you'll be there where it'll be self-sustaining. Do you feel like you're getting to that point? Yes, I, th- I think where we're up now is that we've been able to research, particularly over the last six months. There's a couple of things that really crystallise where you're going. And that's, so for me as a, a fruit grower, we have pests, we have disease, and all this stuff is nice. So I want a... A, a parallel approach 
that while I'm protecting my trees from pests and disease, it's not beating down on my soil and knocking me out of balance, where if mm. I do conventional... So the work that um, uh, I think the French guy, Francis Chabuso, in uh, Healthy Crops, he was a scientist from the 80s in France, did the work, and it's just been converted to English. And oh, he says, that from their research, that the plant, when it is, has a artificial chemical applied, the nitrate converting to amino acid to protein enzyme is disrupted immensely. That sounds like you love it. <laughs> yeah, and when you use a, um, say, copper and sulphur, which the organic guys do, doesn't interfere with that. So, and Hugh's been on about the, the nitrite, what it's doing. So what this French guy suggested is that the trace elements, particularly the three M's, magnesium, manganese and moly, copper, boron, zinc, coupled with Hugh's favourite silica. <laughs> as And Steiner's. Yeah, that we can build the plant's immunity. And with Eva today, she was saying that poisons really disrupt trace elements, making enzymes. Yeah. So, and I think that's sort of like the, the cream on the cake, the understanding, but also the thread of where we can go with it. Yeah. So, and then talking to John Priestley, the well-known Australian biodynamic farmer who grew tree crops, he grew citrus. And he was saying that in Newcastle's council with roses really get a lot of black spot. He said one week it's acid sprays, one week it's alkaline sprays. Yeah. So working with Hugh the other night, we've come up with a, a little recipe that we can apply in in the uh, alkaline week. And Which is? So that would be potassium silicate, really yeah. alkaline, humic acid, sea minerals, calcium nitrate. So then we go on the other week, which is acid, which would be the sulfates, which will be pick up all the traces, fulvic acid, mm-hmm. and possibly an EM product. Mm-hmm. Effective so, microorganism. Yeah. yeah. So then one week will be one way, because a lot of the bad guys, like the fungus and the bacteria, like middle of the road. So this has got like wham this week, bam that week, wham this week, and it won't know where it is, but all these products going into the plant building its immunity. So your main thing is running equipment with sprayers. Yeah, I do a lot of that. Pretty much. Every week I spray. Really? When During the season. I ask the plant, what can I help you with? Okay. And the radionics just help me with that. Yeah. And some weeks it's half a litre of this, 200 grams of that, 10 drops of this. So... Yeah, and you've been doing frequent soil tests now. Yeah. And how's that going? <clears throat> That's going really well. It's yeah, giving us it, a picture. What's it... Oh, it's a... Yeah, because I mean, I saw our own one year to the next. I go, whoa! Mm. You can see the difference, mm. you know. And it's so crazy. we're a bit we're a bit um, disappointed with this last year's report, and it was a very wet winter and spring. Yeah, and the amendments that are put on leached. So, so the the flip side of it is that we've had three record apple crops in a row, and apples are usually high one year, low the next year, high next year. So it's a like great a cherry crop too. Yeah, and cherries have been pretty good. The last, the year before last, it was a phenomenal cherry crop of big fruit that was firm, that had fruit, flavour, integrity, shelf life. And my dad, who's who's just passed away, he kept saying, "We've never grown fruit like this. This is amazing." And he'd go for a ride on his motorbike, and he'd come, "We've never grown fruit like this. 
whatever you're doing, keep it up. But this is this is all awesome. He said, I've just been to the neighbours and they got nothing like what we've got. Yeah. So sometimes you need to step back or smell the roses and see how you're travelling because I suppose you lift the bar and you want to keep going, keep going. Um, but sometimes it's... Well, what would it feel like to be satisfied? Yeah. Well, what would it feel like? Oh, I'm not quite sure. I think it's... What I see my satisfaction is that I can grow this fruit with no artificial yeah. inputs. Yeah. And I think that would be well, just And you, awesome. how would you feel satisfied? <coughs> would you feel like, oh, I'm at ease? Buzzing, buzzing. Because I, I want to spread the word. Because yes. Kim Green is only one grower. Yeah. And what can he do? He can't change the world. But I can show with trial and errors on my farm and with assistance from mentors and our group that we can grow this stuff and then show and tell the rest of the industry. Well, you've been on the National Cherry Council in Australia. Mm. so And you actually brought Hugh to teach two of them. That's and, right. You know, some of them are picking up on these yeah. possibilities. Um, anyway <laughs> but Hugh was very good but there was components that the guys really don't grasp it because they actually haven't turned onto the page that we're talking Yeah. and as a result of that big cherry crop our local co-op who packs some of our fruit their shed manager the co-op manager the agronomist saw our fruit tasted our fruit saw how big it was and the word has spread from them. Yeah. So that was a means of getting... And so growers are ringing me. Growers are contacting the biological supply people now and putting some pressure on that they want to head down this path. Wonderful. Well, sure, because it's that or bankruptcy. So, and bankruptcy doesn't do anybody any good because those farms are still in the, in the system, just under a new manager. <clears throat> so, so I see show and tell yeah. very, very important on getting the word out there. I, I, like, you know, how do you qualitatively measure? I remember this, you taste it. Mm. That's the one. You know, it's like mm. you can say, oh, it's big fruit, but it could be big fruit that's nothing but water. Yeah. And yours tastes, man. man. It's like the taste, the so best. I, I have the word um, eating experience. Yeah. An eating experience that I have never tasted that, or I remember that when my kids, when I was a child. And uh, so we have a little farm day where friends of ours, organised city people come up. And we go through a bit like a wine tasting where you start with the light one and the heavy one. And, and that just blows their mind on AC and cherries on the tree and having that eating experience and taking them through. So now when they see cherries in the market, they'll either, these are as good as Kim's or this is nowhere near as good as Kim's. But they recognise that experience. We've got to get them to click on to, hey, this is... This is a fun time. This is that was a great day. We want to relive that, and then they demand that type of fruit from their supplier, from their green grocer or their supermarket. And which they'll never get unless they start biological and start biodynamic mm. and create. Mm. And you know, you said something about you want to just like make a difference, and you can't make a difference in the world. But from what I understand, you're teaching your system all over the world. Mm. So, yeah, so I developed a tree training system for cherries that keeps it as a pedestrian orchard. Now, cherries grow 10, 15 metres high. So using that same rootstock combination, <clears throat> we can grow it so it's about nine feet high, just with multi-leaders that we can pick it off from the ground. 
And what's that system called? The KGB, Kim Green Bush. Ah. So we tried to have a bit of humour with it. And so my mate in the States, and researchers don't always have a lot of humour. You know, science is fairly straight. So he came up with this system called the CIA <laughs> just to combat the KGB. So, and that's what it's meant to be. Have a laugh. Glad you're laughing, Shah, because... And if you can get people laughing, <laughs> and then someone will ask a silly question, and everybody has a laugh, and all of a sudden everybody's putting ideas forward. So and you've I think, taught this, and you've taught. I know you teach it in Washington State. I know you teach it in Chile. Chile, yeah. Canada too, right? Yep. Wow. And I have uh, people doing it in um, Greece, France, Holland, just to name a few areas. So I'm working with quite a few large businesses in Chile. And wow, like Australia's... Are they adopting your system? <clears throat> certainly are. They are buzzing with it. and uh, Are they putting a plaque, KGB? <laughs> yeah, well, they actually do call it KGB. Yeah. I've just been to the International Dwarf Fruit Tree Conference in uh, British Columbia, and a lot of the papers delivered were from scientists as well as grower. So you got a bit of a, a meshing of the two, and half the cherry topics were talking about KGB. So... I mightn't be the carrier of the info, but someone else will out there carry the message. And How so did you develop that system? Observation. There you go. So what makes a big tree is a big limb. So if you take the big limb out, so quite often the big limbs are what I call a male limb. Very strong. It's all about themselves. Sorry, guys. <laughs> and they don't produce fruit. But if you take the big limb out and look at all the light limbs, which I call females... And they are productive, very productive. So <clears throat> by taking the big limbs out, <clears throat> excuse me, the energy from that big limb then goes in to service the females. And you can just maintain these nice, optimum, petite limbs that stay female, stay female, stay female. And stay productive. And stay very productive. They don't go barren when they're old because we've got the light to them, we've got the energy to them. And it's, I've been doing it for... 20 something years now and the worst I'm teaching to some of the others now so it's sometimes it's lonely out the front but once you get a bit of momentum and a bit of support man we have a lot of fun with it so when I work in Chile uh, we end up always on the soil just so I sort of carry the flag for the soil because that's really where my chart is going now the tree training I'm over it but oh it, good <coughs> the soil is right, mine. so you're going to become a quantum ag rep now uh, I'm a, I won't answer that. Okay. Because I'm, I will answer it, but yeah. I'm a full-time farmer. I'm not a consultant. So we've been downsizing our staff because it's getting expensive, but I'm doing more in the field. Mm-hmm. Well, I do a lot in the field all the time, but it's my time is there's not enough of me. I know it. <laughs> mm. I know. It's just... I just don't get enough of you, honey. <laughs> yeah. So I don't have a problem with quantum agriculture at all I it's just, just having it's all right it's just you know we're determined to get completely used up before we leave this planet mm. 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 <laughs> and the more we can pass yeah. down yeah we certainly do buzz though if uh if we can if i could do quantum agriculture after work in the evening but you are I why do you think you're radionic then yeah yeah pretty quantum Pretty quantum. Pretty quantum. <laughs> yeah, it's right I, in there. And like with some of the exercises we've done over the last couple of days, 
our charter is this passion that we have for the soil. And I've got unfinished business growing my crop. And I think, and you asked before about what's it like when we've got it? Well, maybe then my time is done in the orchard because I've done it, I've achieved. Then maybe my time starts helping other growers. But you're already helping other growers. But as a full-time quantum agriculture advisor. Yeah. No, but you you are, actually. You just hide the radionics instrument in the closet. No, no, I don't, actually. You don't? I love bringing it. When you go to Chile, you let them know you do I let them know, and I've had them in there and had a look. Mm. And I've just spent, uh, when I went into Chile in um, May, I spent a day and a half with some researchers that want to head down this path. So basically what Hugh teaches us, I've whet the appetite. Yeah. And I said, you guys need to be heading down this path. And they agree. Yeah. And I said, the first thing you need to do when you head down this path is get good advice. I said, you need to go to the horse. We have about 20 people in Chile that open our newsletter. Wow. I know. It's amazing to me. So I see that because of my time tie-up, I really want Hugh to be there educating them as he's educated me. To get it, yeah. Otherwise, they just pirate what they think is is appropriate, yeah. rather than taking the package. Right? Well, I think beyond anything that Hughes' teaching is is the observation. Mm. I mean, that's the first key. I mean, Steiner said it in the agriculture lecture. It's the first exercise we do in the quantum ag advanced course is observation. And I mean, I, I just love the story that John Priestley tells about. Noticing that when his kahuna peas would die down in his um, citrus groves, how you'd get mm. nitrate flushes mm. in his leaves, and then in the part of the citrus grove where there was phytolacca called inkweed, pokeberry, poke root, whatever, pokum, that that wasn't happening. Mm. Oh, well, let's take this and ferment it. Let's take this and spray it out on the plants, and then he gets a nice little potassium. Just when he needs it, just when he needs that sweet hit, you know. So with what Hugh's teaching us on that observation, which is critical, the secondary thing that comes from that is engaging that observation. Yes. And so now when I, I, I do the tractor work, and I always used to have the radio on and you get your job done. Now since these classes, I'm looking, I'm aware, I have the radio turned off, and trying to be more open and getting, making sense of what I'm seeing and things just pop, whether it's in your heart or whether it's in your gut or whether it's in your head, things will pop and say, hey, you're not doing a good enough job here, there's something wrong, go back and have another look or I need more calcium or just things dawn on you and that you then act on those dawning things so in other words yeah i knew that i should have done that i'm trying to not have a regret i addressed it when it popped yeah and i'm finding that leads to timeliness Mm -hmm. oh yeah we should have done that now it's gone to this and it's a bigger problem but if it when it pops act on it straight away yeah and get it done takes a lot of confidence to trust your instincts yeah. yeah and it's like playing a piano Really? I don't think pianos work because I can't play a piano. Yeah, you just play play radionics. Yeah, radionics don't work because blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But I get on there and and practice means you just 
do what you normally yeah. do. So if I'm going to put anything out in the orchard, say tomorrow, I'll go on tonight, scan, come up with a recipe or products to put out. Mm-hmm. But I practice and I practice. Practice as in doing it, not as in playing a piano, you got down yeah, the scales. Yeah. And the first part was when we did it, we did an Arden Anderson, John Pennon workshop and we just about cacked ourselves. Because was that a stick? Was that not a stick? And it was really <laughs> over my head. And we said, well, we can't go home without buying one. And I remember Martin ringing up. He said, I think I've got a stick. <laughs> I think I've got a stick. And, uh, <laughs> and what was that like? You mean on the radionic on the on the, you, in, yeah. on the instrument, of course. Yeah. And from that, we've built things. So our first cold scan is where you don't have numbers. You just play with the dials and we'll come up a rate of what this product was. And He's I'd, speaking about radionic instruments for those out in the audience that have no idea. Yeah, so <laughs> we'd, we'd put on a chemical that had upset the cherries and they had these big gumballs about the size of tennis balls. And it wasn't one or two, there was a lot. So Martin, he said, well, how about we cold scan it? So I put in a, got some, put them in a plastic bag, cold scan, and we came up with a number. And there's a radionic book that Matty Otis put out, which is um, rates for human health. Mm-hmm. And it's a big, thick book, so we, it's, say, 672, so we pull up this number, and Martin's laughing. And, he's, and I said, what's going on? He said, you've given them diarrhoea. <laughs> so all their, the tree's goodness was yeah. coming out of them. Ah, and we said, well, what do we do to fix that? So we went on and cold scanned a remedy and came up with milk and magnesia, Epsom salts. That's right. That cleared. Same so, treats, uh, like treats <clears throat> like. So we did that. Yep. Cleaned it up. Yep. And I've been a great fan of mag sulfate ever since yep. and haven't played with that chemical on the cherries either. So uh, you, you, I'm looking forward to your research with our quantum mag little products that we have yeah i want you to really write your research yeah yeah i think that's going to be a really big assist i think so i really do and heinz came and said oh my god sorry we could change everything in agriculture with this Mm. i firmly believe Mm. we will you know i see that's a big yeah big input that you not input making big inroads to where we're going yeah and we we don't don't know what that road's going to take but we're going to be open with our with their uh, outlook on prepared to have a go, do small and the wise thing: do trials, do small areas yeah. first, build your confidence before going Yahoo. Well, I, I won't name names or the name of the university, or even of the state, but there is a university professor who comes to our advanced courses. Is there? Who actually had his university pay for his advanced courses, and they didn't know it. They bought a radionic equipment. Wow. Husey Iatrico yeah. equipment, and he's set up some very <clears throat> credible research blocks with this, you know. So he'll on one row and one row without, one row with, you know, and and it's working. He's doing some amazing research, and so I'm very excited to go back to the states with these new, you know, products and turn them on to him and see what happens. And he's also becoming a farmer. See, you know, he's got a presence on YouTube. He teaches in yeah. Spanish. Yeah. He teaches on, you know, compost think, making and... And it depends on the outcome is, you know, like as we're gathering, it's we as the farmer and our intent, our, our persona on the farm. Sometimes it's all about the farm and 
my big ego gets in the way. No, you wouldn't have any ego. No, but <laughs> you, you're proud of the farm. But if someone wants to discredit anything, they can, they can always turn the argument to how they want the outcome. That's a bit scientific, whereas we're, we want our crops to be magnificent, so that's our ultimate goal. Look, the money is important, but it's, the goal is not the money. But when I ask you about the outcome, I wasn't talking about the farm. I'm talking about you, personally, mm. as a friend. Mm. What's your personal outcome? How do you feel? Then it would be content. That's, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because at the moment it's it's questioning and I, there's a bit of angst there because I haven't quite got the answer and I'm a bit frustrated. Yeah. And, uh, by having that's why I said the last six months we've got quite a few avenues that have come to the fore. Your products, the coverage books with companion planting reagents, <clears throat> the sweet and sour spray, the the trace element side. So all of a sudden I've got an arsenal. I've got a kit bag of of products or techniques that I can go forward with. Yeah, and you also have this incredible tool called dowsing. Yeah. That really gives you an edge up because you've got a real yes-no meter right there. Do I try this one this time? Yeah, No. exactly. Do I try this one? Yes. And at what rates and what frequency yeah. or what's appropriate? And that's that's the coolest thing with radionics. You know, it's not all about broadcasting. It's just about getting an accurate opinion of what you should be yeah. doing at this stage. Yeah. And whether it's appropriate, and, and then we bring the little human side in. I, I love what Chris Bird used to say: "What the, what the plants love the most, the footsteps of the farmer." Exactly. So I that's a, your intent. So your friend Warren and Lee. Yes. Uh, at the Coffs Harbour workshop. Yeah. She they came in last and uh, on the last day, and and Lee and I engaged in a conversation, and and uh, she said, "Well." I can see that you're stressed out and why you why are you here? And it was my intent at that stage, and it still is, to become a better farmer, better receptor, so I can manage my orchard and my family and the people around me. And she said, do you give direction to your trees? I said, thought about it, there was no answer. And I said, no, should I? She said, what's happened with your trees? And we'd had eight years out of ten wet with cherries, which split them. So we yeah. had crop failure for, you know, eight, and that's half our income. So that's hurting both financially and emotionally. And she said, there's blame here and there's this there. Give them direction. Give them, okay, guys, cherries are female, they are. Apples are male. So give the girls a bit of a pep talk. Say, you girls, you got to produce. you got to produce good progeny. Says the alternative is that I'm out of business. Yeah. You'll get some scungy farmer that just wants to rape and pillage you, and that's not going to be good for you. Or you'll get pushed out, and apples will go in. The males will, will come in and win. And the two crops since have been pretty damn good. So uh, it, no one has ever said talk to your trees. I know I can walk out there with yeah, my. Well, secret life of plants. They certainly. Yeah, but so that, the value of talking to your plants. But there was always that rational thing that I'm a very rational, emotional, chemical farmer who's not going to talk to his trees. 
but now as I've done huge workshops and talking to people that observation and open the brain is is halfway there but now engaging in give them some some direction give them some love openly and observe the outcome so and what have you observed we've been pruning the last couple of months and it's like don't these trees look fantastic <laughs> and they are really coming of age and ladies really, you look so beautiful yeah you do and we have still haven't quite stated that shall we we say Dennis and I were talking say don't they look terrific as if they are not there like they're not Ex- there yeah. yeah so from this workshop God, you go, yo, oh la la, you girls look wonderful. So <laughs> yes. that's how we And we'll, they'll sing back to you. Yeah. They'll yeah. sing to you too. So that's a part that has just been uncomfortable for me. Yeah. A, it's not my instinct to ask or to, uh, Hugh says, ask the universe or put it out there and answers will come. And I haven't, I've observed that, but haven't done that as my first port of call. Yeah. We'll, we'll whinge about, oh, what's wrong here? Not expecting an answer and only a complaint. Rather than we say, well, hey, I wonder what's happening here and put it in a question for someone to answer rather than the statement of something's, oh, wrong. something's wrong and not expecting an well, answer. So that's why I was asking you that first question is what do you see your outcome? Because if you come from that outcome of contentment, then you're allowing your trees to fulfill mm. that. Mm. You see? Mm. You're talking to them from the places, I'm a contented farmer, and therefore, girls, you're singing. Mm. Mm. We're in this together. So where does that point of contentment come from? And if we're thinking back to ourselves, is that we go through those primary years to become a teenager and then the testosterone kicks in and all the girls are wonderful but you don't dare go near them because you don't know how to uh, uh, mingle and you know we just have no idea they're way out of our league but you really desire them but you they're a oh honey piece. you got the gym but your what, wife Jane is a gem. Somehow but, you accomplished that. Don't you think the yeah, but, your trees will become but that those was, gems? She tapped me on the shoulder. Well, I wonder. Yeah, that what, was a surprise. Yeah. And but so what is the point of the point of contentment? Maybe it's when the first child comes along. They start to bear fruit. So then it becomes a contented wow. Like this Cooper, is, your little grandson. Yeah. So okay. then it becomes fantastic. So Maybe I'm at that stage again in my life. Just, yeah. just a few. I've had a big teenage years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why you're becoming the mentor. That's why mm. you're now the chairman of Biodynamic Agriculture Australia, because you're becoming the mentor out of your wisdom, and also because your own heart's love has grown. Mm. Mm. You know, with the beauty. I mean, trees sing. I've heard them. Trees sing. That's all you have to do is listen. And maybe the wolf whistle is okay with trees. <laughs> I know. In, you going out there flirting with yeah, those girls? Oh, oh my goodness! Wow. It's like Jane Ooh, will say, where, "Where you been?" I said, "I've been out with my girls, and we've been having a dang good time." <laughs> 
And we know it's only flirting, but that's half the fun, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you know you never go the next step. Oh, but how do we do that with trees? I'm not quite sure. But you could be in love with your trees right. and not appreciate other things. So you, you, there's got to be a nice balance there. So, and I'm finding now that my wife, Jane, is coming to the party and putting suggestions forward. Like yeah. last Well, she's week. pretty much an observer also. You know what yeah. I mean? She can observe your mood coming home. And know mm. right away if something's going right or not. Well, the BAA conference, yes. she was always a bit standoffish about that, as in these uh, biodynamics is a bit of a left-field thing. Mm-hmm. And when she kept to meet everybody, yes, she was really, this is cool, these people are really cool. I want to be part of these people. Yes, good. So on the way home, she said, I could put out the preps for you if you like. Yes. And then last week she said, I've been thinking... And usually when they've been thinking, it's loaded you up with some work. And I say, okay, yeah, what have you been thinking? Making some biodynamic signs that let everybody know that our cherries are grown using the biodynamic method. Not making a statement about chemicals or anything, it's just that we're using preps. So the people that are uh, interested or know biodynamics that will come and buy our fruit. So it's connecting with the public and if they get in the shed, we can give them a sheet of what we're on about or... They're interested. We can talk to us, and yeah, but just, I, I know that they feel it when they just drive onto your property. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you write down; people feel it. Well, it's funny when you go to the shed and we're pegging, taking fruit all day into the shed because I pick cherries, and you'll go up the drive, and we had shed door sales, and people will be coming down the drive, and then you see them do a Yui at the bottom of the drive and follow you up. Oh, what's going on here? Why, why are they back? Man, these aren't going to get home. I've got to buy another box. I've never <laughs> tasted cherries like this. And, and that's what industry should be doing to our customer, not just Kim Green. We as a whole industry have to be doing it. And that's where I see my charter for the future is having our industry deliver that sort of product, that eating sensation to all our consumers. And then we'll never grow enough fruit. Never, because they say... Uh, well, organic. no, I... I, I... I'll, I'd like to rephrase that. Mm-hmm. Then young farmers are going to be lit up oh. and excited yeah. about growing delicious, sweet, and nutritious yeah. cherries. Because people will be demanding that. Exactly. So that's why we'd never yeah. grow enough fruit because yeah. when you're on good fruit, man, you can put some fruit down a day. Oh, tell me about it. The best Christmas present I ever got was your box of cherries. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was Pleased to share them. <laughs> and, and that's what people need, whether it's a carrot, a cabbage or a cherry or a pawpaw you want to go back and you're just salivating yeah. and that's I see where we're missing the boat at the yeah. present in, in, as a broad industry and we don't want to have biodynamics or organics as a, sep- a separate section mm-hmm. we want whole industry doing it and then we know that what Steiner did nearly 100 years ago has made inroads and I, just unfortunately at the moment it's not doing that but as I was saying earlier with our uh, acid and alkaline and our agro-homeopathic products that maybe we can cut through that barrier now and it's just a this process is just normal farming yes the chemical side is the abnormal there the the, uh, alienated ones yeah but we don't want to alienate anybody on the way we want to be able to show by the good things 
not by beating them out into submission that they've got to come this way, just lead by example. Well, you know, that's, I remember hearing Dennis Klochak talk about, well, how do you measure? You know, because we might have readers and mm. we want to have scientists. Mm. When you eat something and it's so delicious, that's how you measure. Yeah. You smell it. I mean, you taste it. Anything so, beyond that is, what's the difference? You know, I mean, you just have a piece of thing with a red skin on it. And cherries, you know, a lot of people will pick their fruit early, like the colour of your, your jacket, which is quite bright red. Well, they're not supposed to be that colour because oh, some rain coming or trying to get into the market at the wrong time. Well, we don't do that. We wait for them to be mahogany. Uh, there's a variety called Rainier, which is a, oh, I know, Rainier. a yellow cherry with a nice reddish blush. And our um, friends in the States, in, in we actually grow a lot of them. And I was having trouble with mine in that they're not bicolour, they're red all over. And they were firm. Theirs are a bit softer. They're, they picked theirs at 17 bricks. And mine were 21 or 22 and you couldn't eat them. They still had this high acid. And uh, so I rang Tom and said, what's going on, Tom, and blah, blah, blah. And he said, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. And a couple of days later, the acid dropped. The bricks went to 23, 24. And what a, a wonderful eating cherry that was. <laughs> and the Chilean work on acid and bricks have highlighted that they, they have to send their fruit to China because that's where their good market is for 40 days, 60 days. Shipping, they, that's the shipping time. Shipping time on a ship. Good. And they have to... So they're have, not tree ripened at all. No. They pick them a bit on the too red aside, but have high acid. And he said, acid is a sign of longevity, uh, shelf, shelf life, shelf but eating. But because they don't have the bricks, the layers had the bricks and this nice acidity once it dropped down. And uh, did they keep? So we're finding that this is happening from our soil. We, our fruit quality is changing from our soil improving and, and of course, the foliar feeds are putting on, yep. which are all balanced trace elements and stuff. Yep. So I see that a lot of the disorders that we're currently having will change. Our shelf life has changed on our apples. Their eating experience has changed. Mm-hmm. And my apple is not like a strongly chemical apple. It's a different apple altogether. And it's like... It's a phenomenon that I didn't really expect. I thought a bit near we can reduce our pest and disease and a few things, but it's as Dad said. Well, it, when wow. you started to follow the biological biodynamic trail, was your father against it? Yeah, he didn't get it. Yeah, because and, and, I mean, I know that a lot of people. I mean, because he's like taught so many people that are new to farming to farm, and they're the easiest because mm. you don't have Grandpa and Dad saying no, mm. you can't mm. do it that way. And that's where the fifth generation is really tough because I am ingrained. You were. Yeah, in a path, and this is what you did. And when you didn't know, you fell back to what you always did. And Dad was no different. And he always kicked my butt. But I end up not telling him too much of what I'm doing. But he notices. He noticed. So he's he's not biased in that uh, if I haven't put a chemical on, he doesn't know that I haven't put a chemical on. So he'll just go out there and uh, the, the case in question is um, a dimple bug. You know, the little dimple yep. in your... Apples will get dimple bugs. So you put on 
two or three laws bands, which is a pretty heavy chemical, at night on apples at pink tip and through flowering. So it kills the dimple bug. And the dimple bug, if there's one dimple bug, that's the monitoring. If you find one, you've got to spray. So most people don't bother monitoring. They just spray because they don't want it. So for about 12 years, I've done putting fish emulsion and kelp out. Because mm-hmm. I did a radionic scan. I put a picture of it in the well and what doesn't it like. And it didn't like fish and kelp. So Dad will always ask, you put a dimple bug spray on? Yeah, yeah, one went on yesterday in the daytime. So I'm spraying at a civilised hour. Anyway, he'll drive around and he doesn't know I haven't put a law's band in it. But he can, because it stinks. He, he probably does, but it's not obvious. And he'll say, well, you haven't got much dimple bug. We've got no more than the neighbour or no less than the neighbour. So Yeah, but you spent how things. much less in chemicals? Oh, yeah. And none of the spraying all hours of the night and upsetting neighbours and killing bees and stuff. So we've been able to do things a bit more in harmony with everything. So And quite often when you get um, mites later in the season, it's because your law's been killed something two months ago. That's right. So we haven't sprayed for mites for quite a lot of years. We still monitor, so we will look at good mites controlling bad mites, keeping that balance in equilibrium. Uh, woolly aphid, which is always a tough one to kill. Oh, you've got some aphid homeopathics now. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll have an odd tree here and there. But before, we'd always spray the Fujis. They'd get woolly. And yeah, now I, I, I don't. We'll tell you something. Skip Miller, our, our citrus friend, um, he's had, he's, because, you know, they have this awful psyllid there, mm-hmm. which puts the greening virus in there. And um, he figured out recently that he wants to take with his radionic, with his field broadcaster, and extend the boundary of his map out. Okay. Now that's something uh, we hadn't thought about because no. normally you say, "Oh, you don't want to treat anybody else's property." No. But by extending it out as a protectant, then they can. You see a little bit further. It's mm. mm. very smart, I think. So we've got two farms that don't have neighbours that are farming, and a lot less pressure. Yeah. And then we've got one farmer alongside of my dad's place. That a lot of issues. They had marriage break up and sort of the wheels fell off. And the amount of codlin moth that we're monitoring on the boundary, the amount of black spots coming across the boundary. Come from his boundary. Coming That's from his so boundary. So interesting. Well, there you saw it. You see. Yeah. The, the mood yeah. of the farmer affects mm. Mm. the farm. So I would take, just yeah. look at, dows Extending. Yeah. Yeah, dows it. Just see. And they wouldn't mind. No, you wouldn't they know. And mind. But the point being is that then maybe that'll keep that further away yeah. as it comes mm. from someplace. I mean. So we we use his farm as a teaching tool. I have groups of TAFE students yeah. come, which is adult education. They're doing horticulture. Yeah. So their teacher brings them up and there might be you know, 20 at a time and we'll talk either the IPM or soil or tree training, but it's all, all one. And we'll go to this the neighbour's farm with the penetrometer and I'll get the big fellas in the group. Come on, guys, let's try and... Well, let's test the soil here. And, you know, they might get it down, even in winter, about a, uh, what's that, about an inch, a couple of centimetres, and it's got the gauge, and it'll say how hard the soil is. And then we'll look at the weed spectrum and the size of the leaves and just generally things, and maybe the fruit, if the fruit on. Then we'll go across the fence to my place, and I'll get the girls to show the boys up. 
you shove, you put the penetrometer in, you know, we've only got it down an inch. And like the girls get there and it goes down two feet, no pressure on the gauge. And you know, we all, that starts the laughter. And then we have a look at the, the weed species yeah. and the leaves size and the fruit size. And mm-hmm. um, just it's, fruit is not always the same as the neighbour's fruit. And the so teacher. So 20 years from now, what are you going to be doing? Oh, I hadn't thought that far. I got a bit panicky the other day because I had a birthday and and uh, I thought I was going to be a little bit younger than what I was actually. So I picked up two years in one and it put some urgency into what I'm doing. Why? Because I've got a lot to achieve and a lot to do and tree crops are a little bit longer term so if we're going to do something for the future, it's got to be done today. Yeah. So, uh, so 20 years' time... I'll be enjoying my green, maybe my great grandkids by then. Yeah. Um, I still think I'll be farming. I know yeah. Peter wants to retire. Well, you'll be like your dad coming up there on yeah. the motorcycle or the whatever vehicle we're in in those days and saying, "Yep." So and so, <laughs> get what, in there, Cooper. <laughs> so, do you think Dad was farming? I think your dad's still farming. Yeah. So even though we may sell our farm, I said. I've had two really, well, Dad, the third one, two really, three really close people that have farmed actively and actively is still riding the motorbike around. But uh, Roy picked till he was 89. Stewie's 85, still picking. Dad was very active, mowing grass. So even though I may not own the farm, someone will be. And Sweetie, I'll be you're going to always that. be teaching farmers how to yeah. farm. So that connection, maybe the next... Jane says, you don't have a hobby. I said, my farm is a hobby. This is a passion. What's I your... think your radionics is a hobby too. Yeah, and that's... And, you know, a few people are starting to ask because I'm a Nuffield scholar. I'm not sure if you knew that. And there's a, and they are sort of innovative, um, enthusiastic young people. And some of us are getting a bit older and we're still... We're just old enthusiastic people now and, oh, and so <laughs> and some of them are ringing up and saying now what are you doing because I, I had a farming scholarship in 93 which I travelled the world for seven months looking at apple and cherry production and, and I got the inaugural Phil Young scholarship um, and what was that one um, it's like a fellowship so it was a small grant to travel and I had to give a talk on the end of that and my scholarship I spent doing Hughes work last year, workshop last year. Oh, really? And the trip to Canada. So I had to give a presentation. So I've had three people ring since then. Can you give us some direction on where to go? And Someone to do Hughes workshop. Yeah. And so it's just Terry Hare, who spoke at the BAO Lovely conference. Soul. He was a Nuffield scholar. Yeah. And we talk a lot. So, and we feel that, you know, it's like the drop in the pond and those waves going out. That's where I see... And most often they're not going to take notice of a young buck. You've got to have a bit of grey hair and a bit of um, bit of seniority, but a bit of calmness about you for them to look up and respect and listen to the story <clears throat> and realise you're not a fool. I, you know, I just have this flash of... Like, we're on the tip of the iceberg, so to speak, right now. I mean, this little bit of 
radionics we're doing and the agro radionics and the mm. agro homeopathy we're on the tip of something just think in 50 years mm. we might wipe mm. out Montana mm. we might finally wake up and, and I told you what my commitment was too many yeah. years out so I see our objective is just to replace things that the Monsantos are moving to the side that there would there won't be a need for them we're not trying to wipe, it's a bit like you say with insects, we're not trying to wipe them out, we're just trying to make the environment uncomfortable so they're no longer effective yeah. and they move out to someone who else is effective. So yeah. I'm not driven by cleaning up someone or destroying something. I can't believe I'm saying that <coughs> because I've done that my whole life. Now we're seeing that, hey, just build the plants, right. immunity up, and there won't be the need, the things won't settle and then they're no longer an issue because the situation isn't there that they're susceptible to that. The best way to combat evil, evil, energetic furthering of the good. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So your energetic furthering of the good. And look, we, we and all... And you're not like just sitting there, oh, go to wipe months on a water. Oh. No. Yeah, just, no. This and we is all, goodness. This is goodness. We all this have moments goodness. that we're not so comfortable and so happy. And, and that's where I see... Uh, a group like we've done with the workshops, yeah. like-minded people supporting each other. That Hines and I are the only tree croppers here, and yeah. But I've your got... first advanced course in Mossman, you didn't know Hines before. No, I mean lifetime friendships no. are being made yeah, in and these Jeff. courses. And yeah. then his partner Fiona that's joined us, and Kim and Neil, like they don't grow trees, but we're all here to support each other and sharing our highs, sharing our lows, and that's what family's supposed to do. That's right. And this is my big family here, and I love them. It's just... I do too. It's just... <laughs> I said, oh, I'm too tired this year to do a, you know, an advanced course. Too tired. Don't want to do it. But, but how, why, but how could I miss this? But these people will... This will lift your... Lift it has. You. So when you're down, someone in the group would be up, and they'll be able to pick you up. Yeah. And... Not feeling alone, I think that's pretty important. Yeah, feeling, yeah. And I think when you when I started this path, as we said at the start, Elaine and uh, Arden Anderson went home. Yeah. And I'm left alone. Yeah. And dads would say, that doesn't work or that won't work. Or I'd talk to my local agronomist and they've got science. Bah, humbug and snake oil. And yeah. Show me the, yeah, it's always show me the science. And, you know, if they would only listen, there's a huge amount of science there. So I should throw it back to them. Where's your science? Have you got that on you? <laughs> but you expect me to have it on me. Now, so, watching Brian Green today. In yeah. That Quantum Leap video. Yeah. Wow. So, so little things like the, the Clochek lectures, things will pop out uh, at the right moment or you'll hear them because you're in that zone. So it's all good. It's well, all good. sweetheart, we're going to have to sign off for this tonight. That's okay. God, well, this is great. We'll do more. Very good. Thanks for having me, and you know, hopefully we can inspire someone else. And as I always say to guys, I'm only an email or a phone call away. Tell them your email. Okay, so we're K J Green, as in the colour, at Adam, like Adam and Eve dot com dot au. Oh, brilliant! Thank you very much. Thank you, Shabby.